0: I think it's about 20 degrees hotter up here than it is up there, but uh, that's just me. <laughs> Alright, thank you again for coming tonight. I asked that everybody would uh, grab your Bibles and we're going to be reading out of Samuel tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 4. And I ask that we all stand as we read the, the word of our Heavenly Father. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11 through 22. 1 Samuel 4:11 through 22. We'll read these responsibly. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon his seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father in law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel. For the ark of God is taken. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be in your house tonight, Father. And we thank you for the Word. And I pray that you would be with us tonight. I pray that you would give me the words to say and the manner in which to say them, Father. And Give me the strength from on high, Father, to preach the Word. I pray that you would prepare all of our hearts, that we could take this word and apply it to our lives, Amen. Father, and that we can go out and live it and be better men and women because of it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I see <laughs> All right. So I've titled this, Out of Ichabod Comes Ebenezer. Out of Bikavah comes Ebenezer. So a little background of, of the verse that we re- just read. You see, Israel has been going for some time now. It says Eli was ruled over them 40 years. So in those 40 years, Israel had started to drift away from God. Israel had started to fall back. Eli did not... Rule his children right. Did not rule over his household right. Did not regard the the priesthood properly. In fact, he put his his uh, children as priests over over Israel. And if you want to read later in Second uh, First Samuel chapter two, it talks about how wicked they were. How they would take a three-pronged meat hook and dip in and take more meat than the priest was supposed to have. Ta- talks about their wickedness. And Eli saw this, and he allowed it. He did nothing about it. And so Israel proceeds to drift away from God. Drift away from God, right? So we have this, where we're, we come to in chapter 4. The Philistines are coming up to, wait to make war. They're coming up to attack Israel. And they know that Israel has the Ark of the Covenant. They know that. They've heard of it. they heard of what the God of Israel did to Egypt and all the victories that the God of Israel has given to Israel. And they were there and they said, We're here. We've got no choice but to fight on. So they brought the fight to Israel, and as the combat starts, Phinehas and Hophni run out. or they run, they grab the Ark of the Covenant, and they bring it out before the camp in the middle of the battle, thinking the Ark of the Covenant was going to bring them the victory. But they were mistaken. They were mistaken. So what happens is 30,000 Israelites die. The Philistines get the victory. And even more so, the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant. Now, they pay dearly for taking it. Uh, they get struck with emeralds, but um, you can determine what that means on your own time. But they, they did have to pay a price for taking the Ark of the Covenant. But Eli's sons, both of them, Die. The Ark of the Covenant is stolen. And when Eli hears the news, he's been abusing his office as the priest, says he was ninety-eight years old, he was a heavyset fella, and what happened? He hears the news that the ark's been taken. And he falls back in his chair and he breaks his neck and he dies. And during this whole time, Phinehas's wife is with child about to be delivered. And as this child's delivered, she gives him such a horrible name, Ichabod, Ichabod. And when I was growing up, you know, you heard the headless horseman, Ichabod Crane, never really knew what the word meant. To me, I thought it was just some uh, folklore type, type name, but Ichabod has a very sad meaning. It means, it tells us right there, the glory is departed. The glory is departed. When you hear the word Ichabod, that's someone saying, hey, the glory of God has departed from my life. The glory of God has departed from my church. The glory of God has departed from my nation. And they cry Ichabod. They cry Ichabod. You see, the issue with Ichabod, that leads to Ichabod. As we, as we kind of go through this, we'll, we'll see. It starts with drifting. A falling away, a drifting back from our Heavenly Father, from God. Israel did it. Every Christian tends to do it. We all kind of, we call it backsliding a little bit. Some people take it to the extreme. But they drift away. The issue is falling away. Now that's straying, that falling away begins with desires. What desire? Desire to fall away? No. It is the desire for your relationship with God has been lost. Anybody who's going through a period of Ichabod in their time, whether it's church, whether it's a nation, whether it's an individual, what has happened is they have lost that desire to have that deep, meaningful relationship with God. That's the Ichabod. You know, Israel lost a relationship with God. They were trusting in an ark. The ark of the covenant. They weren't trusting in God. I'll get to that in a minute. You know, spiritually as Christians, we deal with this too. We deal with this All the time. Some people it affects worse than others. Some people get it really bad. But Ichabod is real. So It's a state, I'll call it a state of existence. Where are you at with your walk with God? Where is our country at with this walk with God? Where is the church at with this walk with God? You can just look at it and you can see. Has the glory of the Lord departed? I don't know about here. I'm seeing seeing God's Spirit move here. But I'm not talking to just here. Everybody that's out there watching on TV, I'm talking to you. And whoever this broadcast reaches, I'm talking to you. You see, it's a slow, gradual process. It doesn't really happen sudden, right? Slow. Slow. Slow process to get you away from God. To drift away from God. Just a little bit. If I take one little step this way and another little step this way, pretty much now I'm off course. It's like if you're you're shooting, right? You're, you're out hunting, brother. If you're off a little bit, way down yonder way, you're going to be off by a lot, right? Same thing. Gradual, sl- a solemn, gradual process. It starts with small things. I'll just touch on a few. We start reading our Bible less and less and less. When we don't read the Bible, our heart is no longer in worship. We're no longer into the worship of God. Why? Because we're not even talking to God. He talks to us through His Word, and we're neglecting it. So when you don't read your Bible, oh, you know I read ten chapters a day. Well, guess what? dwindles down to eight, dwindles down to five, two, one, I'll read a verse. I'll read a verse. You see, if you just look at our country, and you look at the churches across our country, this is what's happening. Most of them don't even have the word of God. Yeah, so, that's one part. Then what happens? You start Praying a little less daily. Now all of a sudden, being fervent in prayer is no longer a thing. Now, yeah, I'll pray. I'll wake up. I'll say my little prayer. A little work. Good. Okay. Oh, having a rough day. Better let me pray. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. When you pray less daily, you're talking to God less. And when you're not talking to God, what tends to happen? Now all of a sudden we start holding grudges. Now all of a sudden things happen to us we have a hard time forgiving. Or we build up these these walls and these layers in our life and I'm preaching to me. And what happens is we just drift a little farther away. A little farther away. Oh then, you know, here's a step away from service. You know what? I'm just going to step back. I feel like I do an awful lot. I'm gonna step back. No, no. They step away from service. What does that lead to? It leads to discouragement. If you have a duty and you step away from it, you're going to feel discouraged. You understand that when you have something to live for, it gives you purpose. When you're doing something for God, you have a purpose in this world, in this life, and you're building up heavenly treasure. You don't want to step away from that because you don't want to deal with that discouragement. And it comes on, and when it comes on, it comes on heavy. It comes on thick. Then what happens? We let this little thing, is called bitterness, takes root, it takes root somewhere in our heart. When that bitterness takes root, then what happens? We develop bad attitudes, bad habits, bad thoughts. Our motives aren't pure anymore. All these are little itty bitty microcosm steps that get you away, that get you to drift away from the glory of God, from the glory of God. Now, what's happening is, as a society, individuals, we start focusing on our preferences. Well, what makes me happy? I think this. I want to do this. I, me, I, me. What about Him? What about God? What about the Father? Pretty soon, when you start drifting away, it's all about me, 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 me. What can I do? What will make me feel better? How can I deal with this? And pretty soon, what has happened, is you're separating yourself a little more, a little more. Falling away. We're in what? The the Age of Laodicea. The falling away. The apostate church. Apostasy. So like Israel, we tend to step away from a relationship with God. It's no longer being faithful to God, but rather it's, it's, it's expecting Him to be faithful to us. It's expecting Him to keep that faithfulness to us, but it's okay if I'm not faithful to Him. It's okay if I'm not faithful to His house, to His ministries. Wrong. That's, that's the mindset we gate. You know, Israel with the Ark of the Covenant. It's kind of like your average so-called Christian (laughs) called the spare tire effect. So, they bring out the Ark of the Covenant, assuming the Ark is what's going to give them the victory. Rather than give the glory to God, they're trusting in this, this Ark. So, it's kind of like, well now things have gotten so bad that we're going to call on God, and he's going to come in, and he's going to save the day. Will he do it? Yes, he will sometimes. But if you neglect him long enough, if you drift away long enough, and you treat him like you're spare tire, yeah, you know what, life's hard right now. Life's really hard. Let me turn to God. Let's see what God can do. Let me let God get me out of this pickle that I'm in. And put him on the car. okay. What, what, what usually happens? You use the spare tire. You get to the tire shop. You either get a new tire you get the, right, the other tire fixed. Then what happens? You put God in the back trunk. God goes right back into the trunk. This is how society, America, the average church is living. This is what's going on right before our eyes. And We wonder why we're in such a state we're in. quit behaving like true children of God, but yet we still want all the benefits. We want benefits without commitment. I want the benefit of being in a relationship, but I'm not committed to that relationship. Hmm. That's not right, it is right, (laughs) but that's what happens, is people, they want all the benefits of. Having this, this name across their back like a jersey says Christian. my right, dude's a Christian. And they have all the, these things, but they just want the benefits. But they're not committed to God. They're not committed to the things of, of God, to his house, to his ways, to his word, to what he wants from your life. No? It goes back to what? I, 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 me, me, me. So all of us, like, like just like Israel. They had the right idea, but they had the wrong motive. They bring the ark out. It's a great idea. You know, it's God's ark. Let's bring it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll whoop the Philistines. We've done it before. No big deal. Right? So they bring the ark out. Wrong motive. You're trusting in it and not him. Now I'm not, I've never done an exorcist or whatever exorcism, whatever you want to call it. But it's no different than me walking up to someone possessed with the devil and holding up the cross at him. But I have no faith. I have no commitment to God. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It's going to make me worse off for trying. People will die just like Israel. So, the way this, this goes, people come to church. Why? They come with the wrong motives. They think the church will do something for them. They think having a Bible will do something for them. No, having Him will do something. For them. Right having Him, letting Him live and live through you. You know, we're supposed to go out before the world and let them see Christ in us, right? That's the goal. That's what we're supposed to do. A lot of people, what are they doing? They're hiding that light under the bushel, they're yeah. hiding it instead of letting it shine. This leads to this idea that we can invoke the power of God anytime we want, right? Whenever we want, but the the sad tragedy is sometime you're gonna get that flat tire. You're gonna take the spare out. You're gonna realize your engine don't work. You're gonna realize transmission don't work. The car don't work. Why? The spare tire got tired of being a spare tire. You see, when we turn back, we get the. When we go through this in life, we get this false sense of confidence. It's false confidence. We think we're something when we're not. And if we don't have Him, we're nothing. We're nothing. So, so I said individually, churchwide, nationwide question is this how can we expect the power of God to move when we refuse to follow him how can we expect America to be great when we kick him out when we refuse to follow him how can we expect the body of Christ to grow when we refuse to follow him sad question you know why should we expect the blessings of God if we're not faithful to Him? What have we done to earn it? Nothing. Nothing. I haven't done anything to earn it. In fact, I know where I belonged. I should have been the one hanging on, on the cross. Right. Should have been me. So I, I nothing. It's all Him. It's all him. Amen. So as we go through life, in these instances of life, when everything comes crashing down, what do we We cry Ichabod. We say, The glory of the Lord has departed from me. The glory of God's not here. And then what, what happens? You, you, you do the blame game. You say, Why God? Why? Why did you let this happen to me? Hmm. Why did we let it happen to us? Why did we stop following Him? Why did we expect something when we weren't given anything? Any relationship is a two-way street. It takes two. It takes two. Same thing. I do want to say this. If you're down and out, if anybody out there is watching, if you're down and out, in life. If you are struggling in life if you're battling sin that you just can't seem to get the victory over you if you're facing issues out there there's hope there's hope I did a whole other sermon on that one time hope when there's no hope I'm not going to give that one today but there is hope so my question is what happens to a church or a nation when the glory of God is departed? What does it look like? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to share. First off, people no longer turn to Christ. People no longer turn to Jesus, and no longer turn to God to solve their problems. They don't come to Him. They won't come to Him. Why? Well, because Google says, this can solve my problem. And technology says, this can solve my problem. And the doctor said that this can solve my problem. Mm. So when you're going when Ichabod comes, right, people no longer turn to Christ. Look at our nation, look at our country. Look at what people are fighting over. I see a lot of hope here though. I see a lot more people here coming to Christ than I have in years past. Amen. In this little community, in this great nation, God's still moving here. I see it. I see people getting saved almost every week. We've had more baptisms in the last two months than we've had in, what, four years maybe? I should be exaggerating a little bit on that. But, you get the point. Second thing is, society as a whole, Christians too, they grow selfish. You can start seeing it. Now you have this group here, that group there, it's about us. And them divide, conquer, selfishness. Well how does this benefit me? What can I get out of this? What's what's the return on my investment? That's where our country's at. That's where our country's at. And you know then what happens? People refuse to change. How many times you how many times have you gone? Offered the gospel? Hey sir, how you doing? My name is Dallas. I go to the Gardenfield Road Baptist Church. If I were to tell you you could go to heaven today and it's free, would you want it? No. Nope. I'm good. What? I'm good. Really? You're good? You could show them the blatant truth, the easy way in life, that he, it says his burden is light and his, his, burden is light and his yoke is easy. Right? But people don't want... They don't want to change. They don't want to give up the NFL on Sunday. They don't want to give up Facebook or anything else. They don't want to give up technology. They don't want to change from their wicked ways. They don't want to give up the music. They don't want to give up the TV shows. They don't want to give up anything. So they refuse to change. Refuse to change. This is all signs of a society, church, person the glory of the Lord has departed. Oh, here's a good one. Preachers stop preaching. Preachers stop preaching. I can't tell you how many churches I've been to, but I'm not going to give you my testimony. Bottom line is this. I was in a bad way. I was a bad person. Did a lot of bad things. Went to several different churches. Tried Buddhism. Tried everything. When they accept you in and say, it's okay to come as as you are, you don't need to change. Wrong. That's wrong. No conviction, no conversion. Nobody wants to stand up and preach and hold to the truth anymore. The preacher stopped preaching. Look what happened with Eli. He stopped being the priest he was supposed to be, and his family paid for it. Israel paid for it. 30,000 lives were lost. But in society, in today's time, you don't hear real preaching very, very much anymore. It's a rare thing. It's a rare thing. I was the type of guy when I went to church. If you patted me on the back and I'm, you mean I can continue to do this? That's okay. Jesus is not my get-out-of-jail-free card. He's not. I had to have my face ripped off. I was sitting right there. I remember looking at Janelle and saying, What'd you tell him? It's like that sermon was tailored fit for me. But I needed to get my face ripped off, slapped around a bit, put in my place, get under conviction, and I converted. My life changed forever. And any one of you that has had your life change, you can come up here and you can testify to the same thing. Real preaching changes lives. There's no society. They neglect. They turn on God. They turn on God. What's happening in our school systems? We don't want that. My daughter was threatened by when she was younger, someone was going to tell on her for praying over her food. You kidding me? you tell on her for praying over her food? I said, well, then let your principal call me. I'll be more than happy to go talk to him. Society is trying to systematically cut God out of the picture. And you wonder why we're in this calamity that we are. You wonder why it's in the state that it is. The more we get away from God, the more we remove from God, the more He's going to take and remove His glory from us. I said all that to bring this good (laughs) news—the deliverance, the deliverance of God. So I'm going to—we're going to stay in Samuel, but let's turn over to chapter seven. I'm just going to read a few verses. I'm going to read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. All right? Verses 2 through 8. It says, And it came to pass, while well, the ark abode in kirjath Jerum that the time was long? For it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods, and put... And Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together in Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on the day. And said, There, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistine went went up against Israel. When the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. He saves them out of the hands of the Philistines. They get delivered. The deliverance will come. This is leading up to Ebenezer. You know that song? Come Thou fount of every blessing. Right? Here I raise mine, Ebenezer. Ebenezer. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. That's a a wonderful word. Hot better than A Hot better than All Alright, so... The first thing they did to get true deliverance. If you've been drifting away and you feel like the glory of God has departed from your life, this is how you get back right. Number one, in verse 2 of chapter 7, it tells us they lamented. It comes by lamenting and recognizing. That word lament, it means to express sorrow and mourning. When you go through the ringer and you are downtrodden and you're getting beat up, you've got to come to the point where you lament and you realize that you have a real need for God in your life. That you realize that that relationship has been separated. That it's not what it once was. When we realize our need for God to work in our lives... We also must realize that we need to depend on God. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. We need to depend on God. There's nothing I can do. It's all on Him. And they were and they realize that. You see, we will not see the results that God has in store for us until we are willing to see. Our need for Him. Again, we will not see the results until we realize our need for Him. When you realize how much you need Him, that's when you're going to start seeing more fruit bearing. That's when you're going to realize, wow, God can use me to do that. God can use you to do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Second step, verses 3-4, is to return to the Lord. When we cry out to God, not Ichabod, not crying Ichabod, but when we cry out to God, right, with true desperation, have you ever been there and say, oh God, I need you! The harder I try, the harder I fall, I need you! Through desperation, it reveals to us our our faults, our sins, right? We need to rid ourselves of these preconceived notions we have, of these thoughts we have, these idols that might have taken residence in our mind, in our hands, in our life, in our homes. We realize these things. We realize these thoughts and these issues that we have. And we see what drew us away from Him in the first place. And we return. That's what they did. Verse 3 and 4. They returned with all their hearts, it says they put away their strange gods. They served Him only. They served Him only. We trust in the wrong things as a society. We trust in the wrong things. I'm not going to say what I want to say, because I want to keep the the live stream going. We trust. (coughs) We trust in the wrong things, people. We trust in the wrong things, America. We need to just realize what drew us away from them in the first place. Thirdly, In verse 6, it says they repented and they confessed. They repented and they confessed. It isn't just enough to give up those idols, those things that caused us to stray away from them. That's not enough. We need to repent. We need to turn from our sin and our selfish living and turn back to God. We need to look at what Israel did and follow suit. We need to get our eyes off the things that, you know, some, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Mm. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Mm. I don't know the rest of them. <laughs> careful little hands what you do. Yeah. These things, acknowledge them is not enough. you got to repent or turn from them, turn from your wicked ways. Turn from our wicked ways, America. So look, follow suit. Number one, verse point eight. They poured out water on the ground before the Lord. What does that mean? It means they gave an offering. We can cry and pour our soul out before the Lord. We can pour out our tears and lament and we, we give that offering. And then it says they fasted. There's a lot of problems in our lives. Do we seek the biblical way, or do we seek man's way? The biblical way is to fast, to pray, be steadfast, fervent in our prayer. You want answers to to prayer? You You want victory over sin? Then fast. Do it God's way. And then it says they confessed and acknowledged their sin. They confessed. Not to a man. I ain't confessing to no man. I confess my sins to the Father. Amen. They gave the blueprint. So notice, as soon as this was done, in Israel's case, right, God begins to move. Same with us. If you're willing to do this, if you're willing to really separate from this wickedness to God. He'll move. He'll move. He'll do mighty things in your life. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me. It's happened to numerous people in this church. He will move. Will you? So, God moves. He returns. And what? We begin to rely on Him again. Less of me, more of Him. Right? When we start relying on Him again, and trusting in Him, He moves. When we do this, that false confidence we have, that arrogance that we've built up, no longer. It's not there anymore. We depend on God when we're under attack. Look at Israel defeated the Philistines. The people that just came in 20 years before, wreaked havoc, stole the ark. They thought, hey, we got this in the bag, we're taking on Israel, man, they're powerless. Israel did all of this, and what happened? God moved quick, quick, and they defeated the Philistines. They defeated the Philistines. We can do the same in our life. If you're, if you're struggling with something, you can do the same thing. It's, it's not that hard. It's a battle. But it's really simple. Just trust in Him. So, chapter 7, verse 12. Just going to read it. it. says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, Saying, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. What do we do? We raise up our Ebenezer. We set it up because God has helped us. When you get a victory, you can't claim it. You let Him claim it. How do you do? By setting up, we'll call it a landmark. A benchmark in your life that says, you know what? I was going through a real hard time in my life right then. God gave me the victory. Look at the Ebenezer stone right there. I'm raising this Ebenezer up. I'm setting up this stone that declares victory. Through him. Not me. Through him. He gave me the victory. We set it up. It shows God has helped. How many people do you know that you've seen God help? Tons of people. You can see it. And when you see it, that's an Ebenezer right there. God's getting all the glory. Not me. Not you. Not America. God. The glory of the Lord hath returned. It just reminds us that we needed assistance from here from the beginning these subtle things to try, to try to get us away. So I just got a few final thoughts. Number one, we need Ichabod to appreciate Ebenezer. We need to have that, that moment in our life where we said, the glory of the Lord has departed from me so that we can stand up and say, God hath helped me. You need Ichabod you can raise up Ebenezer. Second, it's necessary, necessary to move from Ichabod to Ebenezer. Kind of saying the same thing, but you have to move from that if you want to give victory. You have to move from that if you want to grow. And you have to move on from that if you want God to show up and give you the power you need to get through whatever it is you're struggling with. Will we be content outside of the glory of God? Will you be happy living outside of the glory of God? Or are you willing to do whatever it takes to live in the spirit of God's help? It's a question that a lot of people say, you know what? I'll live, I'll live on the outside Look in. I'm going to live in the spirit God's help. So, now, right now, now is the time. Now is the time to set your stone. Now is the time to raise up your Ebenezer. America, now is the time to raise up our Ebenezer. We need to get back to being a God-fearing, God-loving country. So without Him, there's no hope. There's no hope. It's time to mark our remembrance. Remember this day. Remember what you're going through, the pain you're struggling with. Remember it. And let God help you. Now's the time for us to give all of our heart to God. All of it. Not part of it. Not empty service where I just walk around. No. And for the record, I'm guilty of that too. Like I said, I'm preaching to myself. Now's the time to give my whole heart to God. Your whole heart to God. We need it. We need an Ebenezer. Our church needs an Ebenezer. The body of Christ needs an Ebenezer. And most certainly, our nation needs an Ebenezer stone. Dealing with you, if you're going through something, if you're crying, if you're out there crying, Ichabod, you can have Ebenezer. You can have Ebenezer. As I said we uh, will bow our heads. I would say the piano player would play, but we'll bow our heads. We'll give a short invitation. <coughs> first question would be is is there anybody out there no one's looking but me is there anybody out there that you might feel like you're in a place of Ichabod you feel like the glory of the Lord has departed from you you feel like maybe you're like you want to give up hope if you're in that state Why don't you come to the altar. God's make, God wants you to make an altar call. God wants you to give right. God wants you to set up your own Ebenezer stone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for all of us here that Maybe going through the struggles, maybe some of us have called out, cried out, Ichabod. Pray that you would help us to raise up an Ebenezer. Help us to live with you. To say, God hath helped me, Father. God hath helped me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll all stand. If you want to come, have an altar call. You want to come pray at the altar? Do business with God? If He's working on you, come to the altar. Lay it at the altar.